special edition of the Skift Meetings podcast, completely dedicated to the Skift Meetings Megatrends 2024. Now, this is a report that we released just last week, and I highly recommend that you download it, but I'm going to go through a lot of the trends that are included in this report in this episode of the podcast. So um, I want to just start by explaining what a megatrend is. So we we do a lot of different um, research and we write a lot about trends and megatrends for us are something slightly bigger, slightly more business focused, slightly more strategic. So it's not just about trends in uh, different service levels, different hotels, different catering trends, that kind of thing, but really big trends that are kind of going to impact business, they're going to impact the meetings industry, and they're going to probably impact everybody in, in, in our business. So stick around if you'd like to learn more about the 10 mega trends that we identified in 2024 or for 2024. And of course, make sure you download the full report, which has all the details for you. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. So once again, welcome to this edition, special edition of the Skiff Meetings podcast focused on Skiff Meetings Mega Trends 2024. So let's jump in. We have 10 trends to cover and hopefully you'll enjoy the conversation and enjoy the things that we're talking about today. The first trend that we talk about is remote work leaves a lasting impact on business events. And this is a really interesting one because we've been talking about remote work or hybrid workforces for a long time. We haven't really completely understood how that impacts events, but we're starting to see uh, indications of how it has changed events. One of the things that we saw is that one day events are really not happening that much. They've decreased significantly. Um, this idea that if you're going to go, if you're going to travel for an event, then make it two, three days, etc. So make it really worthwhile. Make it a bigger activity. Um, traveling for just a one day event doesn't seem to fit into anybody's um, or very few people's kind of uh, look at how they should do events. It's it's an interesting one. There are also some trends that point to non-traditional spaces gaining traction. So the idea that independent hotels and even kind of different venues, even bars and pubs and that kind of thing, really becoming more popular for events. Uh, and this may be because hybrid teams are meeting more often. So this idea that if you're a remote company or you only meet every once in a while in the office, there's more of a need for people to come together uh, in small groups and teams every once in a while and so if there's more events happening then they may not be as flashy or there may not be as much kind of as much invested in each event and so these non-traditional spaces are becoming quite popular at least that's what we're seeing and we're reporting on as well we're also seeing the idea that smaller events are really becoming a kind of a sweet spot, uh, not for every company, but a lot of companies seem to have increased their volume of, of um, smaller events. And um, that seems to be reflected in the bookings. Uh, also, roadshows seem to be very popular at the moment. So 
where we're monitoring this. We haven't figured everything out, but this is definitely a mega trend that will keep evolving and it'll keep being a focus of ours in 2024 and beyond because, um, well, Skift is a completely remote company. And of course, the way we've gathered and the way we organize our events is also changing. And so uh, we're also taking our own experience uh, into this as well. Number two is the idea that creativity shines through in a sea of bland AI-powered event marketing. So we're seeing AI everywhere, a lot of event technologies integrating AI, but particularly in terms of marketing and copywriting and websites, email invitations, those kind of things. They're kind of very standard uses of AI at this point. I think most marketers are using AI in one form or another. And really the danger here that we're sensing and that we're seeing from people that we speak to is that almost every company is using AI and, and they're generating uh, long campaigns and emails and, and website copy, etc. from AI, which of course is useful, which of course makes it easier, particularly if English is not your first language, to write um things that sound good and, and copy that is um, appreciated by attendees. The problem here is that it really leaves no space for creativity. Or if you want to be creative, you have to throw that out and, and kind of start from scratch or at least really dive in kind of manually uh, and, and edit a lot. And so the danger that we're seeing ahead is that um, AI becomes just a standard and the standard becomes a very similar everybody's websites everybody's emails everybody's uh, invitations to events sound pretty much the same because they were all generated by ChatGPT or other types of ai now that's of course not always going to be the the fact but but it will we definitely see that coming but there are also other aspects to this that, that are interesting for example these standards and regulations around ai the European Union is looking at things in, in a very interesting way that will probably change at least how things work in the European Union. There's also US lawmakers uh, looking at this and looking at AI disclosure, lots of different angles that might change the way we use or we can use AI. And so this isn't necessarily a given. Um, however, the big danger we feel is that audiences may stop listening because if everybody's website looks the same and sounds the same if everybody's uh, email invitations or uh, event marketing looks and feels the same I think there's a kind of numbness to a bad copy or at least kind of average copy that's going to happen and so we really feel that uh, the human touch the personal approach the unique kind of angle on something is really going to stand out and it's going to really Make sure that content and, and that events are fresh because ultimately that's what we need to do to impress attendees and to kind of make people feel invited. So um, the idea being that if you're looking to impress and stand out, then maybe using AI, at least in its sort of raw format, is not the way to go. So the third mega trend that we're looking at is the climate crisis and the way it's disrupting more and more events. We saw that already in the last few years. 2023 was particularly bad with the Canadian wildfires. And also you can argue that the Maui wildfire was also caused by global uh, or global warming or the, uh, the climate crisis, Burning Man. There's lots of examples of uh, especially outdoor festivals that have been impacted by weather much more than in previous years. And so this really raises a question of risk management and how event professionals really need to be risk managers um, much more than before. And also 
how this impacts kind of the seasons and availability uh, in terms of shoulder seasons becoming a little bit trickier, uh, particularly in areas like uh, in Florida where hurricanes are very prevalent. Um, those shoulder seasons, which are getting closer to the hurricane season, might not be as appealing if people are looking at that. Um, weather, of course, is becoming harder to predict, so that has a particular impact. But of course, also the idea of maybe planning smaller events, again, is something that's worth considering rather than really relying on, on great weather for a very large event that, of course, if the weather is not good, then becomes much harder to manage and cancel. And of course, any venue that has good alternatives, um, this, of course, applies more to smaller events, but still any venue that has multiple spaces indoors and outdoors become really uh, valuable and really uh, important to be um, working with. Number four is this idea that organizers are held accountable for event sustainability. And this is very much related to number three, but the idea that in 2024, there's a number of regulations that are coming into place that are really gonna make uh, event planners, event professionals, anyone around events have to be much more um, scrutinizing their events in terms of the reporting, in terms of the sustainability. Particularly in the EU, there is a corporate sustainability reporting directive that's really gonna impact any large company in the EU uh, reporting on all sorts of ESGs, the, um, the idea of environmental social governance. It is um, different because I think in the past we've thought of events as when they're sustainable, when they're kind of reducing their carbon footprint, when they're helping the local uh, economy, that's all great. But if you have to report in a much more uh, much deeper level of detail i think it really changes things because this is really the changers are going towards understanding supply chains understanding everybody who's impacted by an event or who works with an event and understanding what they're doing to reduce their carbon footprint and to be more sustainable and when you look at this all together it's going to be a lot of paperwork a lot of admin but i also think there'll be some uh, really interesting upsides to this in terms of truly making events more sustainable because I know that a lot of events are talk about sustainability, but then when we look at the details, it's uh, mainly around carbon offsets and things like that, that events become more sustainable. Of course, there's reduction and using recycling, etc. But when it comes down to things like travel, there aren't a lot of alternatives if you're running in-person events. And so I think this is really going to change things up. Um, it's going to highlight which sustainability efforts are really right and really doing things the right way and i think it's going to really increase everybody's focus on sustainability because if uh, companies don't organize events or aren't allowed to participate in events because the sustainability measuring and reporting is not right even if an event is sustainable then that's really going to be uh, uh, impact the bottom line and i think that people are really going to pay attention to that Number five, we have a new normal in a world of polarizing politics. This is a topic that we've covered a lot. In particular, Andrea Doyle, our executive editor, has covered in quite a lot of detail. We've previously talked about how boycotts have impacted states like Florida and other states that have uh, brought into place uh, controversial laws that uh, definitely at least part of the U.S. population are against. And 
the idea of tackling boycotts uh, and doing different things. So this has now evolved. Um, not every uh, association or uh, planner is looking at boycotting destinations, although there is the element of the silent boycott when a destination is just not considered because um, they know that their members or someone else is just not willing to uh, consider that destination. So those things we'll probably not hear about. But there are uh, a number of alternatives to boycotting that are emerging and Destinations International has manifested this idea that uh, there are better alternatives to boycotting. Boycotting really hurts uh, a lot of people that might uh, be uh, agreeing with, with those political stances and not uh, following the discriminatory practices in any way in those states. So the idea of taking a different approach to boycotting, I think is, is really interesting, particularly there's different organizations setting up uh, ways that you can contribute to organizations within a state that, that are fighting these laws. Unfortunately, there's no real uh, kind of uh, end in sight for this and um, the using those kind of organizations and I think one of those is called social offset something that Maritz has been using quite a bit they're emerging as some of the alternatives although it, they aren't really perfect they're not really at a large scale just yet but they offer a really interesting uh, variation or a different way of doing things um, that I think meetings uh, because they have that power because they do bring a lot of investment into a city and a state they can really make that choice of how that money is spent or where that money is invested and I think having that option makes a big difference and so taking people to a state that may not align with everybody's uh, political view uh, then can present different opportunities. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. Number six, we have event costs reaching a tipping point. And this is something that we've also been tracking quite closely. Uh, inflation, a number of service-related costs are really increasing quite a lot this year. And so there's this idea that it may be uh, too much. It may be that companies, organizations, corporations may not be able to run the events that they want to. And then are they going to cut events? Are they going to make events smaller? Are they going to reduce their budgets? There's definitely a not necessarily negative outlook on the economy, but a, but a kind of a wait and see approach at the moment. And so we think that this trend is all about getting creative with less, uh, looking at hotel prices and figuring out when they're going to maybe be lower and, and looking at those shoulder seasons or shoulder or different opportunities really for, for using hotels in different ways. Uh, and of course, let's not forget hybrid and online events, because if costs go up so much, then sometimes there are opportunities to meet online or in a hybrid fashion where you mix the online and in person uh, that are very effective and work very well. And we don't really uh, discriminate. We like all events. Um, so it's very interesting to see which kind of organizations are opting for those solutions. 
The seventh mega trend that we're looking at is this idea that data-driven event planning becomes the norm. And we had Marlene Goldman look at that. Um, and she really looked in detail into this idea of data uh, becoming so important to event planners. And not that it wasn't before, but now, particularly with the COVID pandemic and the idea that so much data was produced from virtual events, I think planners are really looking at the data that they get from in-person events and also from virtual events. And those who are able to really crack that data, to get insights from that data, are really at an advantage here because it's all good getting data. But if you're not if you're not able to really understand what the data is telling you, then you're no further than, than you are before. And so this idea that planners need to be very um, innovative, need to be very comfortable with data is really gaining ground. Um, and I think the, the many hats that planners wear are going to, um, that is going to be one that needs to be boosted a little bit because of the incredible advantages it has. And of course, we're not talking just about data in a, in a pure format. It's again, it's about those insights. Uh, it's about understanding how that can drive more business, how that can grow an event. And of course, with data, is there's always a risk with data because we do collect a lot of data. We have a lot of personal data when it comes to events. And so there are a number of um, challenges, a number of stress points when it comes to data that I think planners also have to be aware of. So it's not just about knowing how to use it and get insights from it, but also knowing how to protect it, knowing how to keep everybody's data safe. And this, of course, becomes even more of an issue when we think about AI and we think about all the different uses of AI and the increasing uses of AI. And so as we uh, are using AI or putting attendee data into AI or using AI to manage that data in any way, it's important that we have a very good understanding about how that works, how that data is managed and how it's kept safe uh, for everybody. Again, for attendees, sponsors, all the participants, everybody involved needs to feel safe. I think the any sort of data breaches, any challenges there are going to leave a very bad taste in everybody's mouth. And I think a, an event's reputation can really be tarnished by something like that. Number eight, in terms of the SCIF meetings megatrends, is one of my favorites, which is back to hybrid events. Now, we've been talking about hybrid events for a long time, way before the COVID pandemic. And of course, during the COVID pandemic and sort of the aftermath, there was this idea that hybrid events were going to take over. And in some way they have. I think it is very common for large events to have uh, to be streamed online and to have some kind of online component. But they haven't become this idea of a true hybrid event, which is uh, you know something that we talk about a little bit, which is the idea that you have an online audience and an in-person audience, and those audiences interact in some way. That's actually quite hard to do. It is, of course, possible, but it's costly and it takes a lot of planning and it is it is quite tough to manage and to really make sure that both the online and the on-site experiences are really, um, really strong. But of course, what we're seeing is that hybrid can mean lots of different things. It can mean starting an event way before the actual date of the event. And in many ways, we do this for all events because we register in advance online. But only some events actually keep people engaged and keep people coming back to a website and kind of connected to the event. A lot of them will you will register and then not really hear much from the event uh, for a while. So those that can, those that create a sort of ramp up, I think are hybrid in in a way and, and i'm using the word hybrid very loosely here 
but there's also other things like for example we reported on an event in ukraine in um lviv that happened in a hybrid format because of safety reasons um it was an event with i think three thousand people and they were spread out in different venues throughout the city that were all interconnected with the video feeds and different people spoke from different venues and that was just for a matter of safety and i think it really highlights the flexibility of the hybrid model uh, that allows us to do different types of events in different situations and so of course we've learned a lot from the covid pandemic and despite the budgets being tight there are many different situations where a mix of online and in person can really boost what an event can do and what an event can be and so we think that hybrid events are just worth exploring and they're worth thinking about in a very open-ended way not in a fixed way of what a hybrid event is but in a looking at the time and place constraints and really kind of blowing those up and figuring out different ways of of presenting events uh, for attendees and participants trend number nine and now we are definitely in the home stretch And this trend is about safe spaces and the idea that events need to be safe spaces for participants and really anybody involved in events. So we talk about how trust is plummeting and the idea that the idea of trust in organizations is really at an all-time low. Uh, And so what's interesting about that is that trust in events is actually high. Uh, the, for example, the Freeman research uh, found that even with the new generation of event goers, as they call them, um, they trust events. Uh, they trust them as sort of live communication and they trust what comes out of events. And so it's a great kind of place for companies and organizations to invest in as um, trust uh, plummets in other areas and just in brands in general. And so this idea of building trust is important, but it's not the only thing. Um We also talk a lot about belonging this year on SCIF meetings, and we're hoping to cover that a lot more. And so the idea of having a feeling of belonging when you're at a business event, that takes really creating a space that people trust, that people find safe. And I think that that is um, underestimated by a lot of events. A lot of event planners will do things that they've always done trade shows will look like they always have and although there are many efforts uh, a lot of times they come they're they're not very noticeable or they're hard for people to spot and so particularly for the newer generations that are attending events for the first time i think it's very important for them to understand how to approach the events and how to feel comfortable and big events particularly are challenging for a lot of people and particularly anybody who's a little more sensitive or has any sort of special need i think finds events quite hard to manage so anything that can help them um, feel more integrated and feel more welcome at events i think would be really welcome so this idea of creating a safe space at every event we think that that's going to be a very important trend for this year and finally, number 10, to wrap up our Skift Meetings Megatrends 2024 is the idea that glamour is cautiously returning to incentive travel. And here we're looking at incentive travel and the trends around incentive travel. Um, the idea that incentive travel 
was once more glamorous. It was once more about hospitality. And for a while, and particularly after the 2008 economic crisis, it became more about ROI and more about really figuring out those rewards and how the incentive travel is impacting the bottom line of a company. And these are all very important parts. But I think what's happening at the moment is that incentive travel is becoming again more glamorous. Uh, companies are willing to spend a little bit more, not a huge amount, because of course this is uh, still a tight time in terms of finances. But incentives are really creating this idea of exclusivity and, and things that money can't buy, particularly if you can have any sort of incentives that give you access or allow you to do things that you normally wouldn't be able to do or afford in some way. I think those things are really, um, really hot right now in the world of incentives. And so it's not about forgetting uh, the ROI, forgetting the return on investment, forgetting that, that boost that incentive travel can do for a company. But it's about expecting more and doing more and really attracting people with incentive travel. And we're seeing a clear trend towards more attractive events and more dazzling of attendees and participants, which we think is a good thing and hopefully can be a sustainable thing for incentive travel going forward. And there you have it. Those are the 10 trends that made our Skift Meetings Megatrends 2024 report. Of course, you can find the full report, which you can download for free on our website. Just head over to meetings.skift.com. And in the reports tab, the first report is there, the Skift Meetings Megatrends report. The download is completely free. And we, will, we invite you to download the report because there is a lot more information than what we were able to discuss on this podcast. So I hope you enjoy that and I hope you enjoy reading the report. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and don't be a stranger. Let us know what you like about our podcast. Let us know what you don't like so much about our podcast or any of our content. Um, please just email us at meetings.skift.com. Meetings and looking forward to having you connect with us at Skift Meetings. Take care.